I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Oh, it's recording. Sorry. I didn't <laughs> I didn't notice that. Welcome, welcome to the Playing Footy Podcast. Uh, we're back. Um, this is the first week we've been as a three for quite a while, so it's good to have the get the old team back together. Um, what we're going to do today uh, is pretty much normal. We're just going to have a chat about some of the news that's been going on. We're going to have a talk about what we've been investing in and our thoughts and things on the market. We've got Steve W, Steve D, and at the end, Steve D's turn to play the game. And we're going to put the game at the end this week just because we're going to fire through everything first. Um, so to introduce the two guys, we've got Steve D and Steve W back. No Sven this week. Um, Steve Steve D's much, much better than Sven, I think. So <laughs> it's good to have him back. Um, how you been, guys? What's your week been like? And what's your week been like in stocks? Well, I was—I've been thinking like maybe maybe people assumed from the sort of trailer of Sven that it was going to be one of us in a paper Sven mask doing a really dodgy Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> impression. Um, so, I mean, I, what a shock to have Sven on! Eh? And it was—I must admit—I did enjoy it. He was very insightful. But yeah, we've had a really good week. Um, it's been a, a good week for games as well. Um, really strong performance from my portfolio, ASML, and. Um, yeah, I've, um, I must have bet. How about you, Steve? <laughs> gonna, oh, we're, we're not going <laughs> to... We're not going to, like, have a word about that, are we? ASML just absolutely taking off. Every single time. Every single time I go, no, I think it's going to come down a little bit. And we're gonna, I'm going to get into a good buy-in price at that point. It just goes, nah, you know what? We did way better than, than we thought we were. We're just going to go to the moon a bit further. And um, yeah, just remind remind everybody, Briscoe, that at five hundred, you told me that I'd overspent on it. And it's now at six hundred and twenty. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <clears throat> it's well, uh, overspending. I just think I just just thought it was just a bit too overvalued. But obviously, that moat is so so strong. Like investors believe that the moat on ASML. By the way, we'll just mention what ASML is. Um, me, me and Steve D, we both want the company but he owns it and he got that in on it at an amazing price uh, and at the time i just couldn't bring myself to it uh, it's a semiconductor company a lithography company and it it, it basically um owns the machines that make all the semiconductors in the world all the chips in the world and uh, everyone has to come to them to buy to to make chips and um it, they seem to be a really a company that just nobody talks about and it, it owns so much of the world and i wish it's my, it's like my it's one of my biggest regrets so far in in, in investing is not getting into sml and forever i'm going to be waiting for a good price for them and steve d decides every week that um because the price is i don't know how much has it gone up by this week uh, so only about eight eight or nine percent something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it goes up it goes up like 10% a week and 
Steve D reminds me of that every single week. Cheers for that. I like I like <laughs> I like Briscoe to log in, log in in the morning and have a nice picture of ASML to wake up to. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing, Steve W? I imagine you're uh, I've to been mine. similar to yours, yes. Uh, so I also had a look at ASML when you did, and I also didn't buy it. But unlike you, I, I don't let myself rise to this kind of stuff from uh, Steve. So know, he doesn't find it as, as rewarding to remind me of these things. I wrote down a quote this morning, actually, which is... <laughs> Um, I was scrolling back through some of the chats that I've seen on the Discord before, which was, it said something like, once you've secured the the base material in a semiconductor-rich future, it makes no sense to go buying up the supply chain as well. Uh, that's a quote from last June. Um, uh, that was that was also Steve, for what it's worth, by the way. Um, yeah. So he's been he's been on this one for quite a while. Uh, my, <laughs> I've had an interesting last yeah. month or so. I mean, it's a month since we were all together. Uh, last, so we had uh, one with me and Steve, one with me, you and Sven, and we had the uh, risk calculator last week. So quite a lot's been going on. Mostly speaking, things have been going very well for me in terms of my actual portfolio, and very poorly in terms of all the stuff that I've talked about that isn't my portfolio. So my three-stock <laughs> thing that I talked about with Steve is in the bin at the moment because of Didi. Uh, my five-stock sampler that I also talked about with Steve is in the bin because of well, all of it, but mainly Alibaba. Um, and my actual portfolio is kind of doing okay. It's gone up and down a little bit in particular this week, actually. It's been an interesting week for a few of mine coming out with earnings. So yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday, by the way, Graco and uh, Landstar, the two sort of smaller industrials that I have, both put up very good results and were kicked in the nuggets by the market for it today. Uh, Landstar down about 4%, Graco down 25 on what I thought were pretty nice-looking beats. Uh, that kind of, I guess, foreshadows some of the stuff that we're going to talk about uh, on the rest of the pod. So I'll, I'll kind of leave that thought there. But generally speaking, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, you've you've really got into a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today. So um, I'm the same. My portfolio was down probably like most people at the start of the week. There seems to be a bit of FUD opened up about uh, COVID variants and things like that. And I think that sent the market down for a what seemed to be a day. And then everything has just recovered so, so well. I, I, my portfolio is hitting all-time highs, and I'm happy about that. Uh, absolutely crazy stuff. The things that have kind of moved the market for, for us and what we're going to talk about today is China. China is having a seems to be having a mayor at the moment, and these guys have got a lot of information on China right now. And also earnings, and we've got a couple of earnings we wanted to look at. We wanted to show some contrast today. So I think we've got uh, Netflix, Unilever, and ASOS uh, to look at today as far as earnings. And just kind of wanted to highlight the differences in these three companies and and what it tells us about what investors are thinking about earnings reports these days. Well, we're going to start with China, and we're going to start with what's going on there. Um, We had a bit of a ruffle, uh, probably it could be a week and a half, two weeks ago now, since uh, all the DD FUD and DD news started coming out. And, of course, there was something new today about their IPO. You guys might know a bit more about that because I haven't done a lot of reading today. Um, take it away. What's been happening with Didi and how does that affect the rest of the Chinese stocks and probably one of our favorites, right? So I guess let's start off from the beginning for the moment. And so Didi is effectively, you might think of it as a Chinese version of Uber. But uh, where Uber has about a 20% market share, Didi has about a 90% market share, I think. So this has really got hold of the market in a big way. Um, and it IPO sort of fairly recently. 
immediately after its kind of IPO, the Chinese government um, said that it couldn't be, I think, downloaded by new users from Alipay or uh, WeChat, which is so that's Alibaba's and Tencent's kind of app stores. You might think of them like the App Store and uh, Google Play for China in these kind of cases. And all of a sudden that leaves them in kind of a state of paralysis, more or less. Their share price took a whack accordingly. And it served to quite a few people as a reminder that the Chinese government behaves slightly differently to, say, the US government and so on. Um, if you want to invest in China, a lot of people suddenly realized there is a kind of risk associated with doing that. That risk could be high, it could be low, it could be priced in, it could be not priced in, it could be worth it to you, it could be not worth it to you. But it is very much there. Uh, and before that, we had quite a few people thinking, well, uh, the Chinese government is basically safe. It's not going to do anything. Exactly what you should make of this kind of story is, I guess, for us to discuss and try and figure out a little bit. But Didi's been under pressure from the Chinese government, and there's a wonder about what that means for China's other big tech companies. So is there anything in this? Because we know about why Alibaba started to get a little bit of a shunt from. I mean, I know more about the Alibaba stuff than Didi. I, I, this is why I love chatting to you guys, because I didn't know Didi had that much of a market share in China. I thought they might have had something a little bit less. I was I was thinking along the lines of uh, Baidu and their autonomous driving, whether there was something coming on that one as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it's a bit of a guessing game as far as how China is moving right now. Um, you've obviously got Alibaba that locked, basically locked Jack Ma back in his house for a few months and decided, okay, you're not going to talk to us anymore. Uh, and they uh, halted the anti-PO, which Alibaba, if you didn't know, Alibaba is just a massive, massive company. And it basically has a business that replicates pretty much everything that big tech in the US has. So it's got uh, Alipay, which is its equivalent of PayPal or Square or something like that. Uh, and it all the way, it goes all the way down to... Uh, TV and everything. It covers everything. So it's got a lot of power. If you think that Amazon's got a ton of power, if you think that Facebook's got a ton of power, Alibaba has way more than that. It's all of that power combined into one big company. Uh, and I suppose DD is something like that. You might have to enlighten me a bit more on, on DD and how exactly we think, how do you think the Chinese government are going to go forward and what's the reasoning? Why have they done this? But I read that the um, the regulator actually notified DD um, about the uh, impending investigation prior to the IPO. Yep. So this is nothing short of, of, of a, a very poor. Well, uh, they did actually disclose it as well in the S one. It is in the S one, but it's kind of listed as a, as, a, as a risk rather than uh, rather than actual. This is going to happen, you know, probably tomorrow. So this feels like it was a bit of a cash grab. Um, and, and that's a little bit naughty, um, but it doesn't help when you've got people like Kramer screaming that DD is a screaming by, and then the next week when he realizes he's fucked up, he's like, "Oh, DD is a cat. It's, it's a robbery." Do you know what I mean? Well, you 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 were part of this, Kramer. So just uh, um, just on that, can you just explain a little bit more about what you're talking about? Because uh, I don't know if everyone would understand what you're talking about there. So tell me exactly what happened with Didi's IPO 
and why we shouldn't so have, we should have already known that this might have happened and well they, this gone. they they were notified beforehand that this didn't happen after the ipo none of this happened after the ipo the chinese regular had notified them that they were going they needed some information to submit this information so that they could effectively check them over which is what what they wanted to do um, this wasn't disclosed properly in the S1. I, don't, I really don't care what people say about that. It, it wasn't sufficiently disclosed in the in the S1 as a suitable risk. Um, so this this has been nothing other than just a big cash raise on behalf of DD. Obviously, they're selling shares, um, institutional investors to buy to give them cash to fund their business. Um, and uh, that, that's exactly what's happened. The Chinese regular uh, in in this occasion i don't actually think we can find fault with china in this because all of these things were scheduled to happen and have just happened this isn't some i know i know people have been peddling the narrative that this is some kind of 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 odd timeline against america but it's that's not that's not what's happened in this in this situation this is just china doing what china does but just to flip back to alibaba you don't get to the position Alibaba's been in without being in the pockets of the regulators. Um, so that is, um, you know, Tencent, your Alibaba's, they're seen as safe investments in China because they're massive conglomerates who earn stakes of absolutely everything. But on the flip side, they have got to the size they've got to by being extremely friendly by with the government. And, you know, it's not, it, it goes without saying that, um, but, you know, little brown paper envelopes all have been passed around for this, that, and the other there. there. There's no way that you get to that kind of size without it. So for Jack Ma to turn on um, Alibaba, uh, sorry, to turn on the Chinese government like that, probably is a bit of a kick in the teeth to them where they want to give him a little bit of a dressing down. So I don't want to be the guy who defends China on here because I don't actually have a single Chinese investment. Um, but I don't think they're this evil entity that they're made out to be. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you here. I think there's a lot more to this. There's there's no doubt there's going to be corruption that goes on over there. And there's going to be, obviously, Jack Ma, uh, just in case anyone didn't know, he, he, he basically came out in what I thought was a very light criticism of uh, the Chinese government, say, uh, saying that they were were halting some forms of innovation because of certain regulatory rules. That's off the top of my head. That's that's very vague <laughs> compared to what he actually said. That's off the top of my head. Um, but so he said that, and they they locked him in his house basically, as far as we can tell. Uh, a lot of people said they killed him on a plane and stuff, and uh, it just didn't happen. Um, but like you say. There's no doubt the corruption to get to the position that he was in. You you don't you 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 have to have been playing ball for a long time. So That's now so, yeah. Xi Jinping felt the little bit of power just leave when he when he said stuff like that, and now he's just you know put, putting the foot down a little bit. And like you say in the in the US, we've made a lot. They they've made a lot out of Alibaba because these banks have put quite a lot of risk in. To create these ADRs and give it to the American public, I feel like Steve's got more to say here. Steve W's got more to say here. <laughs> no, I think I agree with everything that you've said so far. I wasn't sure which Steve you were talking about for the moment. I think where this kind of comes down to on the subject of China in general is uh, one of sort of two views, and I think interestingly, based on what I know about both of your portfolios and your holdings. 
I think you have either view on this. Both of these I've heard on The Motley Fool, uh, by the way, so I've been listening to a fair bit of that sort of stuff and finding my way into what's going on here. So Jason Moser on The Motley Fool takes the following view about China, which is there's risk associated with this. Uh, and it's risk that I personally don't need in my portfolio because I think I can find attractive enough opportunities that don't have this risk attached to them. So when we look at Alibaba, when we look at Tencent, if you think there's no government risk attached to these things, they are either well-priced or extremely well-priced. Tencent is a decent buy at its current price if you think there's no uh, national risk or anything like that. Alibaba is extremely uh, a howling buy if you think there's kind of no risk in here. The reason they're priced that low is because people are anticipating government risk from them, basically. Uh, Ten cents about right, actually. Alibaba's heavily under. Um, so when we think about that kind of thing, the question becomes, is that risk worth it to you? And Jason Moser says no. Uh, Bill Mann on the same bunch, Motley Fool, says, here's how to invest in China. Uh, as he puts it, play the hits. Uh, don't get fancy, don't look for small things, don't look for mid-cap stuff that might be emerging or something like that. Buy the big stuff, buy Alibaba, buy Tencent, buy JD.com, buy Baidu and so on, because of exactly the reasons that you've just given, uh, which is that they will be um, in cahoots with the Chinese government. It's not in the Chinese government's interest to mess with them in any particular way. Yeah. If you want Chinese exposure, take that because, look, it, you'd have to be naive to think there's no kind of realpolitik going on here in a certain way. And my and, sense is that and kind these of are the companies. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And, and the, these companies are essentially what we would call the bridge from the old China to the new China. And this these companies are very much the new China. And I think China needs to realize that they need these companies to advance technology as well to keep up with the rest of the world. And, you know, AliExpress is pushing into all sorts of markets. It's, it's I, I'm sure I saw something that they're trying to get around the uh, a delivery around the world within 72 hours. That's their, that's one of their main goals. And I was like, Jesus, that's big. And they're very much going for South America, as far as I can tell. And uh, the sort of Slavic regions, the Eastern Europe uh, regions as well. So, like that their market is about to expand into areas where I don't think Amazon can get to because I don't think Amazon is able to get to South America. I know uh, it's dominated heavily by Mercado Libre at the moment, uh, but there's going to be more coming in. I think the competition is going to grow. And like you say, China, China wants these companies. China wants them to, to exist, and it, but it obviously wants to keep its control in whatever way it can. Um, it's just AI. AI is going to be the big problem, I think, is AI becomes too powerful for uh, uh, an authoritative government. That's where that's the, what they're scared of. The thing you've got to remember is when the news is as negative as it is at the moment, that is absolutely the best time to buy because I think everything at the moment is pointing towards yeah. doom, destruction, you know, companies being taken to bits and, and all this, that and the other. And if that doesn't happen, Alibaba and Tencent are going to be excellent ways of playing this, not just this market at all, because I think Tencent own quite a large chunk of C as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to end up with a, you're almost ending up with a very good, well, if you buy Barbara and Tencent, you've effectively bought a very good China ETF. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, disclosure, I in my riskier kind of investment account, I have about a grand in in Alibaba. Uh, and I think it. I think it's just it's just a screaming undervalue. 
at the moment. There are the risks. Obviously, it's an ADR, so you don't own any of the company. You're simply owning rights to some of the profits. Uh, you don't own any of the company. So there, there is that risk there, but they just can't afford. I, I don't think America can afford to just cut ties with, with China in this situation. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of games being played here. And I think if you can hold your own, I think there's a good possibility that you'll come out squeaky clean from this. And um, like I say, it's a risk that you that you might want to, you might or might not want to take. But I have a couple of speculative things, and Alibaba is one of them. And I do class it as speculative because of worth, that reason. Worth pointing out here, Paul. I mean, there are kind of conservative investors that are on your side. You look at Charlie Munger's holdings mm. in the Daily Journal Corporation. Yeah, he only holds about five things, and three of them are U.S. Yeah. banks. Uh, and one of them's Alibaba. Um, you know, so this yeah. is someone who is kind of uber selective about stuff uh, and is happy to kind of chuck quite yeah, a lot right. of cash into Barber here. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, so anything else that you wanted to touch on with China? Because I don't think there is... They're the two main big stories right now is Alibaba and Didi. I mean, you've got Baidu, which is quite a good little little buy into the autonomous market it, it potentially could just freeze out tesla couldn't it just backing up uh steve's thought for a moment here then um the same that he said about alibaba is true of Didi. i mean there is a a world that looks a lot like this one where Didi comes through all of this in two to three months and it looks like an absolute screaming buy um especially when it came down mm. first off its ipo uh he's dead right in thinking that this was known about before the ipo and that Didi were advised to delay their ipo uh, which they didn't do, but it's worth noting that, yeah, there is definitely a possibility they come through this and they look like a howling by when this all looks in the rearview mirror. The trouble is it's in the future, not in the past, that that plays itself out. Yeah. So just, just to, before we move on, she's got his, um, he's got your arm tied behind your back. You have to buy one Chinese stock. Which one are you buying tomorrow? Uh, Barber. Barber for me, unfortunately. Yep, same. Also taking Barber. Okay, well, mine's a toss-up between Tencent and I really like Futu Holdings as well. Yeah, I knew, I knew you'd come up with like some really like obscure one. I, I mean, I know about five of them to be honest with you. But I never heard of Futu. Mate one, mate, everyone's like big on Mate one at the moment, aren't they? As well, Mate one would be a good one as well. Yeah. Okay, right. So next, we want to talk about earnings because it's earnings week. We um, we're we're into the early part of earnings week. Uh, it always starts off with banks. Uh, we won't too too much on the banks, but banks had a very good. You got anything on banks? Because banks had a very good start. I know J.P. Morgan released God. Was it like five billion in reserves? And wow, you know. I think I think the price has gone down. As far as I can tell, the price has gone down on that news. But it's released so much money. It's all going to go to buybacks and, and uh, dividends. It's going to be amazing. That's, I think that's opinion. one thing that I kind of take from this. JP Morgan, I think, released about a dollar per share, uh, just in terms of kind yeah. of releases here. Uh, admittedly, their share yeah. price is kind of up around the 150 and above range. So one dollar per share is not a huge amount there. But, I mean, here's what I kind of took away from the, the earnings season here for the banks that I own, which are... Bank of America, JP Morgan, and uh, BNY Mellon. I mean, what I took away from this is that this ought to have been bad for banks in certain ways. We've been in a low interest rates environment, right? So they, they would struggle with kind of ordinary banking activities. And they've shown a capacity to kind of get through that bit a little bit. So they did well before when rates are higher, even though they have to kind of hold back more money. In this case, when rates go lower, they can release more money. They get a, something to take the kind of lumpiness out of the earnings a little bit. 
which is kind of nice. And this works especially if you have a diversified bank like JP Morgan, which did very well on trading revenue. So trading revenue is kind of hard to predict. But if you have things like ordinary lending activities, abilities to release funds, trading revenues, you get something that can usually help you out some way along in these um, these earnings for banks. Yeah, fair enough. We won't go too much into that. But uh, for me, earnings season so far has been a bit dull, in, in my opinion. Like, everyone's just been doing kind of okay. It's, it's been all right. But one that stood out for all three of us, and we talk about Netflix a lot. It, it stood out for all three of us. Um, I believe it beats on revenue and it beats on earnings. Did it beat on new subscriptions as well? Uh, let me just get the numbers up, actually. Let's take, take a look. So uh, it beats on earnings per share, 375 versus 2.97. It beats on revenue, 7.16 to 7.13. But it was the uh, subscriber additions. That was where I got confused with the story there. Uh, 3.98 million subscriber additions, but we expected 6.2 million additions. I haven't actually looked into the churn rate. I would love to see if there was a change in churn rate so far. But what we we talk about Netflix a lot. I don't have a super popular um, super popular opinion of Netflix. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of it, but I, I don't want it to seem like we're just banging on about Netflix. But it is an interesting story, and it could be a bit of a turnaround. What do we think? Did you notice that they had shipped 460,000 subscribers from America? That was the most interesting stat that I pulled out of that report. Explain that to me because I'm, uh, you haven't got me there. Yeah, so the most important thing that I checked out when I looked at the stats was that I saw there was a slippage of 460,000 um, US subscribers, or US and Canada, I think it was It was, It was. was just under. So Interesting. You know, half a million, it's not a massive number for Netflix. They've got a hell of a lot of subscribers there, and you would expect some churn as people go back to work. Also, they haven't released anything of any real quality for, it feels like, quite a while. I think the yeah. originals are very so, and the movies have been pretty dull as well. So yeah. I would expect there to be some churn. I, I think some of the expectations are a little bit wild. I think they're almost expecting growth forever out on Netflix, which it can't possibly happen. The revenue beat is is evidently because they've just simply had a price increase in that quarter. So there really isn't anything in that report to get too excited about, but it is interesting to start to see slippage here and there. Yeah. You got anything, Steve W? Go for it. I'm looking at the Netflix weekly price chart here, and I, I didn't know what day Netflix reported its earnings on, but looking at the kind of vertical line thing here on this week's thing, I guess I can probably tell you based on that. Netflix is an interesting one for me. I mean, I kind of want to like this quite a bit. I feel like I ought to own this. Um, I mean, we talk about buying what you use. I have a Netflix subscription. I don't have Amazon Prime, and I don't have Disney+, Plus. but I own Amazon, I own Disney, and I don't own Netflix. Um, it feels to me like they're kind of out in front of a bunch of the other uh, streaming candidates and they will keep innovating to try and stay there. Uh, they feel like they're a walking target some of the time, but um, I don't know. They got to the front for a reason. I've never managed to quite get my arms around their kind of valuation. They're the kind of the kind of company I want to try and move myself towards buying more of and thinking, OK, that's a big multiple, but they are growing quickly. That multiple will come down. This is a general lesson I've taken out of earnings season for what it's worth. I thought a lot of things were on big multiples going into earnings season. Those multiples have come down, but that's because the earnings have come up to meet them. We've been seeing beats all over the place, mainly. So I was sort of reasonably encouraged by 
most things there. Netflix, I still can't quite get there on. Yeah, so uh, here we go for me on Netflix. Netflix is, um, I think other companies are about to take Netflix's lunch, and I don't think they're doing the right things to keep up with that. Steve D mentioned that they've not come out with anything good recently. And I've said before that they are spending a lot of money, but they've released this statistic that they're going to come out with a new movie a day, like on Netflix. And that's just going to bolster content. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to add loads of content rather than anything of high quality. And I don't think that's the way that streaming services should be going. And that's why I'd be worried about netflix going into the future i'm not saying that netflix is gonna god god you have to quantify all these things don't you i'm not saying that netflix is going to disappear or fail or anything like that i'm just saying that its market share is going to reduce quite rapidly over the next couple of years in my opinion and i think it's because they don't have the right strategy going forward they had an amazing strategy converting everything to streaming but what they don't have is an advantage in actually creating content which is where we are in the new stage of the streaming wars we've had the original stream wars they had first mover advantage they need to bring on some serious content i know they're doing that they're paying i don't know whoopi goldberg or something to come on board and i mean that's a really bad example but like they are paying people to to come on board sister act 10 <laughs> well this is it they could just like make a million sister acts or something i'm not saying that uh, 80, uh hbo's offerings have been any better really uh, they, they're bigger and they've got a more and disney's uh, some of disney's have been really good by the way if i was to choose any service it would be disney right now because it's got some amazing content on there it's been releasing awesome awesome kids shows that rare and the last dragon thing i've must have watched it 20 times with my kids great doesn't matter but yeah i do i do think that netflix has a problem and it uh, mentioned uh earlier this week it's going into gaming i just don't think uh that's the right way for it to go when it hasn't got its content sorted out yet and um uh i we all knew that was the way it was going and I'm going to go with Peloton as well. I'm going to show Peloton in here. I didn't know. Peloton announced they were bringing out a game uh, for the Peloton bike. I would have expected, if I owned a Peloton, that Peloton's already had some sort of game on them that you were, that you could play. It was, like, kept to the back of the menu. So this changed nothing for me. And I cannot believe the spikes in these, in these uh, services when all of this stuff should be already priced in, in my opinion. What, what was that game that used to be on the Atari where you used to have to deliver papers? Was it just Paperboy? Paper that Boy. would be brilliant on a Peloton. Oh, wow. That w- <laughs> no, you're, I'd consider buying a Peloton <laughs> if that came on. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Like, biking down and trying to throw it past the dog and stuff like that. Oh, what an, a game. An updated, an updated VR version, Peloton Paperboy. That, <laughs> that's it. That, hire me now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, interest, interesting. You talked about the churn rate. Took the, the I, I didn't know that number, but that's very interesting to see that people did buy Netflix for the pandemic, and now they're starting to sort of go back a little bit. I wonder how that affects Zoom and, and other companies like that as well. But um, yeah, I think it's just not as good. At, uh, but I'll also say that I don't think the uh, the reason why they're leaving is isn't because of the pandemic and all that i think there's going to be better services out there and 
companies like HBO and uh, Comcast with Peacock and uh, Disney are all going to start taking a bit because I know Netflix, if I had to get rid of one, Netflix would be the first one to go now. And I wouldn't have said that two years ago. I didn't say I wouldn't have said that two years ago, but now it would. You don't think the problem is that they just haven't had that killer movie? I can't think of a single movie on Netflix that they brought out that would make you think, oh, you've got to have Netflix to watch this. They had it when, I think they got a lot of traction when Breaking Bad got popular. That got a lot of people on board. And, yeah, and, and Stranger, Sandra, things, Stranger Sandra Bullock things. In a bi- Sandra Bullock in a blindfold made made a few good memes at that time. That was that was all right. But yeah, there's nothing. Nothing else. There's nothing else, is there? So, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. I'll be con- I'd be concerned about Netflix going forward. Um, and they're just coming out with gimmicks to uh, keep the momentum going, I think. I feel like this depends a little bit on whether you think the world is more like you or more like me, Paul. So, in other words, it depends yeah. on whether the world watches more kids' TV or more terrible TV. Uh, because yeah. I've been quite enjoying quite a lot of the stuff I've watched on Netflix, and I'm not saying it's particularly yeah. high-quality stuff. I've been enjoying, most recently, a couple of nice series that have been set in shops. Uh, so I've been watching a thing called Kim's Convenience, which is great fun, uh, and a thing called <laughs> um, Superstore, which is also uh, amazing fun. It's, uh, none of this is... None of this is tremendously high quality. I'm not presenting it to you as high quality. But I I also probably watch a lot less children's TV than you do, I think. No, true. Uh, I I do have children, by the way. <laughs> I don't just watch kids TV all the time. Um, no, Whatever. but uh, I will say I will say that that, that Superstore and um, Kim's Kimson they're two pretty good shows actually. They and and they're, they're a nice familiar one for me. I, I like that sort of comedy, so they're nice and familiar. I have seen them, but I don't come back to them because I've got such a busy life with kids, and kids want to watch Blippy or whatever on YouTube, and um, so I I don't get to see that. But I have been making time, guys on the Discord. Uh, whoever's been talking about it, sorry, I forgot who's talking about it. Clarkson's Farm on Amazon is tip top. If anyone's watched it, it's, it is really good. I'm sorry, it is really, really good. I, I take this back. I don't think I watch more terrible TV than you do now. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust, trust me, if, you, if you've never seen it, Clarkson's Farm, uh, is, is, they've, they've hit the wholesome vibe really well. They've hit that. Uh, he's a knob, and uh, there's a wholesome farming vibe uh, around it, which teaches about British farming. It teaches uh, teaches the struggles of British farming right now. Can Can I make a suggestion Gosh. for Netflix for anybody who has a spare hour of time? <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it's amazing. <laughs> Nailed it's an amazing shot. I love Nailed it. it. It's like a combination I'm of just a Great s- British Bake Off and Total Wipeout, from what I can see of it. <laughs> yeah, so basically, imagine imagine people who cannot bake in any way, shape, or form being given not enough time to make the most elaborate cake in the world, and the end of it is like the show of this, like you know, like I don't know, like the Disney castle as a cake, and then it cuts to their effort, and it just goes nailed it, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Oh, I I think I saw that advertised a couple of years. It's been been going a while, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw the cakes and I went, I'm not watching that. Is it because anything it's with brilliant. a cake? It's, it's anything incredible. With a cake, I'm just going to go, nah, screw it's that. Fantastic television. Oh, fair enough. So, yeah, there, there you go. We've ended on uh, that's that's how Netflix <laughs> goes. Nailed it's good. Buy Netflix. By the way, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that <laughs> Netflix is going to tank anytime soon. I'm just saying that 
I don't think it's going to grow as quickly as it used to. That's all. Okay, so next we had Unilever earnings, and we're talking about we're talking about it from one thing. We're going from one big stock to uh, quite well, it is a big stock, but one that not so many people would be as interested in because we want to share the contrast. Because Netflix obviously slowed down its growth quicker than quicker than usual, so it had to generate this new momentum with its gaming release. Unilever is apparently doing very well. Uh, Steve W. It's doing very, very well. Yeah, it's doing very well. So um, unlike Netflix, <laughs> where Paul thinks you should be short this stock, uh, Unilever is doing fairly well uh, in, this, <laughs> in this kind of situation. <laughs> um, they reported their earnings. Well, I say it's doing fairly well. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into this. So they reported earnings uh, in the last 24 hours based on when we're recording this. And they reported revenues of 25.79 billion euros. By the way, this is for the half, not for the quarter. Uh, so it's a six-month uh, thing rather than a three-month thing. Uh, and that was a beat on expectations by about 60 million. Uh, and they reported operating profits of 4.8 billion versus expected f- uh, 4. Point, sorry, they reported 4.85 uh, over 4.80 expected. So small beat there. Uh, and having just about made their way past both of their estimates, this involves growth of about 5.4% in sales, 4% of it by volume, 1.3% by price. So things are moving upwards for Unilever, apart from their share price, which is down 6% pretty much on that news and nothing else. Over to you. <laughs> so uh, it's doing so well. Why has the ta- uh, share price done so poorly? You know, uh, I believe I read somewhere that Unilever's quarter-on-quarter sales grew by like three and a half percent, which is very good for Unilever. It's not one of those stocks that's going to move. This is a this is a safe stock or a supposedly safe stock that's paying you a dividend, and it's going to be it's one for life, and it's just for that keeping your income coming in. So why did it do so poorly? I assume it's because sales are um, increasing slower than inflation is the only thing I can think about it really is if it's probably a net decline in sales when you factor in inflation. So I would assume that is why people are reacting this quite badly. Again, I think this is potentially uh, quite a short-term take on, on Unilever. Unilever are not a company you should be sat watching day-to-day. They're the sort of company that you you allocate a percentage to. You, you pick a nice part for it in the corner of the portfolio and you leave it there to do its thing for 20 years. So there are a couple of things you might want to keep in mind with Unilever here. One is that they were kind of forecast to have a difficult year anyway, even before we start worrying about inflation for the moment. So they've recently moved from being listed, uh, having themselves split out between uh, Amsterdam or Holland and the UK. And they're now just uh, based out of the UK. And there's restructuring costs for that involved that are going to be paid out this year. And that will weigh on bottom line profits, basically. So bottom line profits were always forecast to be in a bit of trouble this year. And that's been known about before this earnings call. But you're right. The thing that's kind of really putting pressure on is inflation at the moment. So what uh whilst the past looks kind of okay there the future looks less good unilever have um reduced their kind of management guidance uh certainty levels on their operating margins they're expecting margin pressure um and they are expecting basically inflation to weigh on that kind of pressure so they're happy enough with revenues and their concern is that an increased cost of raw materials is going to make it harder to produce stuff That, on the face of it, is really, really bad if you're a company like Unilever. You think about Unilever, you think, basically, look, you own every brand I've ever heard of in the UK, especially in the UK here. 
Um, surely the point of brand power, if there is a point to brand power, which I'm kind of uncertain there is, is that you can pass through costs to consumers. You can say, look, this is Ben and Jerry's. It's going to cost more now because it's harder to get hold of milk and it costs more to produce and so on. Uh, if you can't do that and you're Unilever, the question is, what the hell are we paying for with this company? That's it. So really with Unilever, what we're saying here is that you buy this company because it's a safe bet. It's a company that through an inflationary environment should still do very well or do better than most because they can raise their prices. And it should just the reason for the reason for uh, inflation is simply because we buy more stuff for more expensive. And if it's not doing that through its, through this inva um, inflationary environment, then it's not doing its job. And that's it. So it's a good contrast with something like Netflix, where, you know, it was doing its job through COVID for what, what people were buying it for, stay at home kind of play. And now it's not a stay at home kind of play. And now it's not. Now it is showing its sort of true colors. Uh, it's it's uh, going to start to falter. But in the same way, Unilever from completely the opposite direction should be doing very well in this environment. And it's not which means it's probably one people aren't looking to keep buying. I think it's down about 6% today. Not a huge drop in the comparison to what the world kind of fluctuates in volatility at the moment. But for Unilever, that is quite a large move in one day. Uh, but crazy. Uh, ASOS was our next one. So ASOS was our next comparison. Um, as I believe, and I'm just going through because there isn't a very good earnings report on this, other than the actual earnings report from from ASOS. There's not a good there's not a good news article on it. But what from what I can see, it's gone from about two and a half million in revenue to about three and a half million in revenue just in a couple of years. And I it's believe, got to be billion. That surely. It's yeah. Sorry, billion. billion. Yeah. Sorry, billion. So in twenty twenty. 2020 it was 3.26 billion and very recently it's it's gone up to like three and a half billion which is which is absolutely massive massive uh movement and great great news i'm looking over the uh history of it as well and the revenue growth of it just looks amazing it looks like it's 20 30 percent a year which is crazy um but the share price at the moment is taking a bit of a dive. I think it's down 26% on the month. Yeah, 26% in the last three months. Wow. Why is ASOS doing so well? And, uh, you know, we could talk about Boohoo at the same time if you wanted. Well, forget Boohoo because ASOS is the premier stock here. Um, <laughs> just to wind people up in the, <laughs> in the YouTube comment section. But no, ASOS, I think, is a really exciting, exciting company. I think out of all the failures of business we had last year, ASOS, I think, picked up the best, the best of the best, the best sort of heritage sort of fashion brands that we had, take them online, and they can do what they want with them. Um, the issue with ASOS that, um, that a lot of people have got at the moment is that that guidance is quite weak. And they've basically come out and said, hey, look, it's been a pretty poor summer. It's been a pretty wet summer. I mean, forget the last sort of seven days it, it, where it's been pretty sunny. It's been fairly wet. You've been trapped inside. There's no festivals. There's no, um, you know, there's no nightclubs. There's no whatever. And um, there's no holidays. So there has not been any reason for people to refresh the summer wardrobe. So what ASOS are saying is essentially is, hey, you know, spending is going to be a little bit weak because of the reasons we've outlined here. And, um, you know, 
the price has dropped down 25 plus percent, which to me just, that's a screaming, that's a screaming buy at the moment. And in fact, it was a screaming buy because I bought it. Hmm. Um, and I just think I'm not really interested in what ASOS is doing. I'm not interested in what any of my companies are doing in the next year, but I am interested in what they're doing in the next 10 years. And I mean, I fucking hope we're allowed out in the next 10 years. So that'd be great. <laughs> It'd be pretty disastrous if we're still not allowed on holiday. Um, so yeah, I think ASOS, it's still expensive, but uh, the growth rate said it's growing at, I think it's a pretty good buy. Mm. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. Um, considering, so trailing 12, trailing 12 month PE ratio is about 32 and current PE ratio and current forward PE ratio is 22. So, you know, we've, we've lost a big multiple there uh on on asos just on this simple guidance and like i said it's a very short-term mindset this is right this is uh we should be looking far ahead and and with unilever the investors do seem to be looking quite far ahead the investors are starting to see that unilever might not be able to hold itself for the for the long term it's got great brands and everything but i think it's just not earning the margins anymore so it might not go anywhere but asos should be it's a growing it's in a growing sector it's in a growing world and people are still going to need clothes next year and the year after and the year after that and asos and you know other online shopping stores are where it's at right that's where that's where people are going to be buying them yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, when, one of the things <laughs> that this kind of reminds me of was um, the, a thing I heard a little while ago about inflation. Uh, so the thing we haven't talked about in the last sort of 20 minutes or so. Um, and if you are uh, got your bingo card at home and you're playing playing footsie bingo, we've covered Peloton and Zoom and Kathy Wood and all the other things that you were looking to see. Netflix. Here comes, Netflix, here comes the <laughs> bit on inflation for you. Um, inflation is one of the things that we've been keeping a close eye on, but it's been coming through very unevenly, as someone I saw pointing out here. So it's been coming through quite a lot in things that people want. An area that's not seen much by way of inflation was the example they gave was men's suits, because everyone working remotely, no one's busy refreshing their wardrobe. Uh, you can see that you know, Paul might have stocked up on a few more kind of burgundy T-shirts, but that's probably about the extent of kind of <laughs> men's fashion spending and that sort of thing, which means like, companies like ASOS are really interesting here and ways in which they might try and get themselves moving uh, are things to kind of keep an eye on. I don't think Steve is quite right, though, in thinking that he's not interested in what any of his companies do for the next year versus the next 10 years. I mean, if ASML goes nuts in the next 10 minutes or so, uh, there's no way he's not looking at that and telling Paul about it almost immediately. Well, I'll get out my ASML flag that I have behind me and also my Dutch flag, which I keep conveniently over here. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to be talking about the difference between the stock price of the company and the actual business uh, going on, because we, because that's that is what we focus on mostly is is the business going on. We probably wouldn't buy or sell anything unless something uh, based on price, unless something goes so vastly out of the way that we just can't really understand it. I know both. Uh, I know Steve D has definitely sold some of the big companies uh, when when they've gone out, and I see, keep seeing that Brian Feroldi uh, graphic going on with his Shopify, where he saw Shopify at forty, and then a hundred, a hundred forty, and then he bought it, and now it's like at one thousand five hundred, and I, that does stay in my head a lot. I do kind of think like, well, maybe some of these companies are still on their way, um, and I think 
now that ASOS has seen a 20-odd percent uh, drop, there's I'd like to know more because when I was when I used to buy clothes, I pretty much don't buy clothes now. I buy burgundy t-shirts and that's about it. Or, or, or like medical wear. <laughs> God, my life is so horrible. Uh, ASOS is pretty much the only place I used to buy. Uh, <laughs> ASOS is pretty much the, 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 uh, uh, the only place I used to buy anything of reasonable fashion. Uh, Primark's my other one, which I go to for my burgundy t-shirts. That's about it. Um, by the way, ABF, isn't doing very well still. I, I don't know why Primark hasn't gone online. Does, does anybody know why Primark's not going online? No, just doesn't. No, it's, uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's probably because a food company owns it. <sighs> yeah, but they they have they have largely split the difference in the 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 food company doesn't talk to the the Primark business. It's I think they've got it's basically its own. It's, a, it's trying. ABF is trying to be a conglomerate more more than anything. So I, I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they think that um, Primark's main thing is to be in store, but I think even that's running out. You know, that's kind of running out of steam at the minute. Sorry, we just uh, went on a bit of a tangent there because I, I really like ABF. I think it's more than Primark. I do I like do the too, food. Yeah. I do. I I like the food business, but I can't. Th that's the only bit that's stopping me now. I used to own ABF, and I sold it just before the uh, pandemic st struck. So I was very, very lucky. And um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's just odd that I, I can never get over why P Primark won't go online. And I imagine, imagine that day when Primark announces where it, when it goes online, what the stock price is going to do that day. It'd be incredible. It'd, it, the share price has just boomed that day, and it go even more overvalued than it is now. I wonder if they'd sooner spin it out. I just got this funny feeling they'll spin it out at some point. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's worth a lot. I think I think if they were going to, it would have been at its low point because I think that's the decisions that made. So it's a family-run food business, like you say. If they were going to spin it out, I think it needs to gain a lot of value first, or it needs to gain a lot of value back. And I don't think I don't think they're going to spin out Primark. Um, I think it'd take a lot. They've 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 made a big uh business decision there and they want to um they want to hold on to it. It's it's very very reminiscent of a uh, AT&T though. So it does worry me a little bit. Okay. Mm. The last thing we want to talk about with news I think today is we want to talk about some SPACs uh, because we haven't really spoken about SPACs uh for a while. Um the biggest news for me is the Universal uh, and the Pershing Square deal, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Uh, are you guys looking at any SPACs at the moment? Do you own any SPACs still? Do you any do you any own any pre-merger SPACs at the moment? <laughs> Steve W. <I've>... <laughs> hey, go on, Steve. You go first. I'll go first. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, should we get mine out of the way then for the moment? Uh, so I don't own any SPACs at the moment. You'll be amazed to hear. But uh, SPACs are not cool anymore, and therefore I've started taking an interest. And there's about three that I've uh, had an eye on that are not called um, Pershing Square. So leave that one aside for a moment. We might come back to that one separately. Uh, but the three I've got an eye on are uh, ticker symbol RAAC, uh, which is about to be a big autonomous warehousing thing. Steve D's nodding at this. And it's basically there to try uh, it's there to try and uh, help people or companies compete with Amazon who have incredible warehouses that automate everything and the competition needs something and this is kind of designed to 
uh, try and help them compete, basically. Good area, high ceiling, low floor. Uh, so high, high risk, high reward, right? Those two things don't always go together necessarily, but they probably both find themselves in this particular uh, company. The other two are both unannounced just yet. So um, <clears throat> first one's a company called Eucrates Biomedical Acquisition Corp., uh, which uh, basically I'm interested in this because of its sponsor. It's the CEO of a company called Biogen that we've mentioned on this show before. This is someone who knows uh, biomedical industry inside and out and I think is likely to do a good job here of finding something. He also has uh, Eucrates being a, a kind of Greek-sounding spat company. He also has the most implausibly Greek-sounding name I've heard in my life. Uh, his name is Stelios Papadopoulos, um, which is sort of uh, <laughs> Greek-level max as far as I can tell. Uh, so I'm looking for SPACs that have kind of good managers that appear to be kind of well entrenched in the industry they're in. And the other one I've got an eye on is the Liberty Media uh, one. So Liberty Media own interest in Sirius XM, Formula One uh, and a couple of other things. They're a media conglomerate of a sort or they own in heavy interest in all of these sorts of things. They're off hunting as well. And I suspect they will know this industry pretty well and they will have a decent eye for a decent deal. Uh, I'm watching those quietly for the moment, though. Well, fuck me. I didn't see... Steve W coming out with a fucking spack section like that. Wow. He's this well, guy I, is the I thought <laughs> this guy is the value this is the guy's the biggest value investor I know. Oh wait a second. No, I know Sven Carlin now, don't I? So second biggest value investor that I know. And um wow, fuck me, he's come out with some serious facts there. That's pretty good. Uh well I thought, got? oh I'll be able to breeze over this point and I was like, oh, hang on, Steve Steve's got uh, Steve's got information. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I've got um, I've got a few, so I'll just roll through them and, and remind myself what they are as I do it. But I've got AHJC, they are Humorsite. Mm -hmm. They're um, a spin out of a, a, a university. They're making blood vessels in a lab that are um, they have zero rejection and they're about to go through FDA approval. I think they're at stage three already. So um, that's a pretty interesting company. Um, I've got HAAC, which is yet to find a target, but that's probably got the best leadership out of any SPACs that I've I've seen. It's got um, uh, Hemington Asia from uh, General Catalyst. I've spoken about it on the show before. I think it's a really exciting exciting SPAC. Um, I've just got one that's just merged, if that counts. Owlet, if that's uh, of any interest to anybody. That's a baby monitoring company. sits on the edge of a crib. Um, makes it's basically to um, sort of counter sudden infant death syndrome. Is it SIDS? Yeah, SIDS. Yeah, so basically it monitors the baby, and if the baby doesn't move for any period of time, it alerts the um, the parents to move them. It also checks things like the temperature and the heart rate and things like that as well to make sure that there's nothing too uh, untoward going on. Um, I've got SRNG, which is Ginkgo, which I think is the most overvalued company in the world. Hence, I've only put £100 in it. And I will just flick over to the other account just quickly to remind myself. I have D8 Holdings, which is Vicarious Surgical. They're making uh, uh, an intuitive surgical-like robot that can move in a few more dimensions. I've got Gauze Holding 6, which is Matterport. Uh, That's a camera company that um, is used in property and lettings. And I'll do one more. I have, because I don't know what this one does, and I can't remember off the top of my head. But I've got Spring Valley, which is... Vertical farming, um, um, basically factory farming, um, but 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 on a lot more sort of technological scale. I'm sure he, I'm sure Steve D does know what some of these companies do. <laughs> but uh, no, out, out of them, I really like um, uh, Humusite. I really, really like Humusite. I think it's 
it's really starting to prove itself as well as i think the studies now are really showing that the uh the uh, atrial binding is doing really well and the um the it's just amazing it's an amazing product if you if you look it up it's it's basically a, a product that it fixes arteries it just they put a little sl- uh, slip in there and eventually the this little slip in your artery where it's damaged it um, binds to the artery and then basically becomes part of your body it's an incredible piece of piece of kit if it's a legitimate and all the tests and the, the studies are showing that it's a legitimate and i think it's incredible incredible piece of kit it's just it's a shame i don't don't invest in it but most specs are largely doing very very poorly right now aren't they there's a lot not doing very well and um that's interesting uh steve w getting in there saying specs are not popular right now and um that's why he's looking into them it's a contrarian sort of view i like it yeah so i had a little look this morning when i was doing the kind of prep for this i mean liberty media is uh 23 cents above its 10 dollar ipo price euphrates is was two cents above its ten dollar uh, price. I mean, I wasn't interested in when they had a big run up, and you were kind of guessing a little bit, especially because there's currently pressure on SPACs and going to be pressure on SPACs to find uh, partners because there's so many of them about, certainly compared to previous years. But at these kind of levels, I, I can take an interest and I can sort of see a way into thinking about this kind of thing that doesn't just involve hoping to God that Chamat's going to find something that um, is attractive to people. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Uh, one for Bingo, uh, for playing fuzzy Bingo. He's uh, put in Tramath, who has been rearing his little head recently. Uh, I haven't, re- I've got nothing more on that. But yeah, he's getting, he's getting louder again. I don't like that. But speaking, gone. I was going to see. That. I was going to do a great little segue there, and Steve. Dean well, I'm going to ruin your segue, <laughs> but I'm still going to talk about Chamath. But since we played the game, you suck at Chamath. He has really gone downhill. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a lot more. So my segue is: speaking of companies that failed to find targets or uh, targets that uh, vastly collapsed, we're going into Pershing Square Tontai, made by one of my other favourite people called Bill Ackman. Uh, I'm not a fan of Bill Bill Ackman at all, um, but call him William, like his mum. <laughs> William William Ackman, William Ackman, yeah, when he's being told off. Uh, down 12.97%. Why? Well, they thought they had a deal, and then it turns <laughs> out they don't have a deal. Uh, so uh, PSTH, which I think is the largest SPAC ever, uh, pretty much, had, uh, in theory, agreed a deal to buy, I think, about 10% of Universal Music, which is a huge uh, outfit and operation. Um, unfortunately, a long story short here, the SEC have decided that the point of a SPAC is to merge with a company, not buy a bit of it, uh, basically, in the kind of complicated way that Ackman was planning on doing. So they're kind of back to square one uh, on this a little bit. I mean, they're not quite back to square one, as he pointed out on his CNBC interview. They've got a background of having had talks with Subway and Chick-fil-A and all the other kind of companies that might be of an appropriate size for um, merging with via SPAC and so on. But they don't have a target anymore, and it's reasonably clear, I think, that there's still some way to go on a deal. Uh, false alarm on that kind of thing. So back to uh, waiting a little bit. But this is the point of SPACs now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. SPACs, SPACs are designed to merge with their favourite deal. Like, they've picked a deal, and now they're committing to it. And fair play to Bill, 
or William, fair play to him because Universal Media is going to still be bought by a PTSH, which a PSTH, which is the main company which is owned, which is yep. basically their hedge fund. Um, so it's still being bought by them. So they really did want it. They they really did want it. They just wanted it under the protection of retail investors at the same time. Uh, so like fair play to him there. But now it leaves whatever the other deal is going to be. It's always just going to be second best. It's always just going to be meh. Well, he said that they he had somebody else in mind, but they didn't need $4 billion, which is about what he's got in the fund. Mm. So that makes you wonder who it is. And if they don't need the $4 billion, well, they didn't need it then, why do they need it now? And if he doesn't spend it all, what is... Is he going to be allowed to go through again? Has he essentially shot himself in the foot by making a SPAC that was far too big and the companies that he thought he'd be able to attract? Because let's be honest, he went, he made this SPAC for Airbnb mm. and uh, he didn't get it. And now that SPAC is just too big and there's just nothing for it. Unless he wants to try and merge some companies together to make some kind of conglomerate, which to me just sounds like a pain in the ass. Um, I, I just I think... don't know what he's going to do. I think the SEC would get in the way as well if they were to buy two companies at the same time. Although saying that Team Beachbody did just do a joint merger. Yeah, there's with, a few that have done that. Yeah, I've seen a few that so, have done three or four, so maybe yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, so maybe it's po quite possible. But I think Bill also said himself that he would be happy if he found an exceptionally good company that he would involve the amount of money that that company needs and pay a special dividend back to the investors which primark uh, weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah go out and buy a fucking 10 million uh 10 million pound company and pay everyone a three or four billion <laughs> like dividend out of it. that would be the worst deal in history I think for us back, uh, and and that's what that's how I see it because basically, or if he does do that, I, the rest of the money that have been raised is just free money that's going to be given away by Bill Ackman to to, and that's a really bad deal for Pershing Square Tonto, uh, for Pershing Square and Bill Ackman. It doesn't. So I just don't understand why they do that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great deal if that happens, does it? I mean, the real question now is whether you think the the sheer size of PSTH is an advantage or a disadvantage. So on the one hand, it's an advantage in the sense that there is a universe of companies and unicorns, as they're kind of known here, that's open to PSTH that is not open to smaller companies, basically. The question then becomes whether you think they have to go at that, because if they do have a go at the approach of taking a smaller company and just dividending out um, all of the excess cash, why would anyone want to join PSTH rather than any of the vast array of SPACs that are out there looking to take somebody public? I mean, the point of having a SPAC this size is surely that you don't have to fish in that pool that has about 300 other SPACs in it as well with the Gores Brothers mm. and Chamat and everybody else uh, fighting on this kind of thing. And I don't actually know quite what Bill Ackman's speciality is here. So in the case of... Uh, my Greek friend, as I'm going to call him for the time being. He's a biomedical sciences guy, and he knows a lot about biomedical sciences. I'm unclear as to exactly what kind of industry Bill Ackman would have a real, real insight into. He might do well by getting people I out of the I can tell you what. But yeah, go on. I can tell you what it is. Bill Ackman's very good at burying dead bodies, and it's as simple as that. Jesus like, Bill Ackman... <laughs> <laughs> Bill Ackman will fuck everybody over and do it with a smile on his face. And that is what he brings to that table.
I was thinking, I was thinking he's a specialist in crying on TV. But, um... <laughs> so you think he might try, try and take the X Factor public or something? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> 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 no, it's um, like you say, uh, the two main ones that keep sticking out are Chick-fil-A and Subway. And I think what you've got there is you've got two companies that know it. I don't think Chick-fil-A is a good a good deal. It's getting a lot of crap from uh, being too Christian and stuff like that. It's, it's really put a lot of negative. It basically ca- it's got uh, just Steve W's looking at me like wondering there. Uh, Chick-fil-A, the Chick-fil-A owner and owners, I think it's a family-owned company, are highly Christian and have a lot of uh, heavily uh, conservative views. And it has stopped Chick-fil-A from uh, expanding into different countries. Uh, it really has put just a, a dead uh, on it, particularly in the UK yeah. as well. So, they don't open it on Sunday either, do they? Cause, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really big deal. So I can't see Bill Ackman, who's I don't know, probably murdered millions of people. Uh, (laughs) That's a joke, by the way. No, it's not even allegedly. That's just a joke. I'm allowed to say things like that if they're joking. I swear Um, if you mention this uh, again, that's going on the bingo card next time. So, I don't think Chick-fil-A is the the fit. But then you basically end up with a merger where... Subway knows it's the only target left, and it's the it's the only capable target. So it dry it, yeah. it's got the ability here to drive a really hard bargain that it knows it can put people like Bill Atman uh, back back into a corner. And they've, I think they've, I think the SPAC has left itself in a bit of a catch twenty two situation where it just can't get out get out of there. All right, let's move on on the last bit. Uh, we have our game. Hooray! How, how many minutes have we gone through? I don't know. Is that the time, Paul? I think I have to something or other now. Oh. <laughs> it's, we're, we're just approaching an hour and five, so we have a very oh, quick Jesus. game, which is we'll lucky. This, yeah. um, but I've got a lot of Bill Ackman jokes to cook out, <laughs> cut out so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so this this week's game, um, and it's a, it's a quiz format. It's, been, it's called Have You Been Taking Stock? Um, mm. Basically, it's... Um, <laughs> It's things that I've spotted in the last year and things that I've noticed in the last year that I think will probably trick you. Oh. So, and there's one question which I read back just before we started and thought, God, I must have been on painkillers when I wrote that one. <laughs> so um, uh, basically, it's going to be uh, pick between one and ten. I will read you the question and you get a point if you get it right. I have a tiebreaker too, and the tiebreaker is disgusting. So please draw. <laughs> Um, so I've got Steve again first on my list. So Steve gives a number between one and ten. Six, please. So six. Um, this is oh, this is an easy one. So we'll start you off nice and easy. So it's what it's is the current largest? What is the current largest company in the FTSE 100? It's Unilever, isn't it? I said uh, it was an easy one. There you I, go. I, you know what? I didn't know that. Did you I, think it was AstraZeneca? I, I still. I still had AstraZeneca in my head, sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah since well, they shoveled all stuff that into one. the UK, it's Unilever. Yeah. And you Go know what? Paul, just to let you if, know, just to let if, you know we've had six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say there, you missed, you've missed the trick there, because if you if I had got number six, I would have gone in so confidently and gone, AstraZeneca, and you'd have gone like, ah. So, yeah, you've totally, <laughs> you totally missed out on a, key, on a golden moment there. Uh, okay. Oh, num- just, number three. I just remembered... Three. Go on. I've just remembered I put something new on, but it's okay. I, I can play it now that I remember. <laughs> Go on. We'll just swap us over to life. So number three is 
Who is the youngest CEO in the Fortune 500? <laughs> it's not Zuckerberg, is it? Is it Zuckerberg? Is it going to... No way. No, it's that dude... Uh... Oh, no, I, no, I haven't got a name. Mark Zuckerberg. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, that's right. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, I want Paul to get no points. Never mind. Yeah, I, I went. Uh, yeah, I went. Um, I went. No, it's that dude from Hillion in it, and they're not a five hundred company. No. So I, I don't still come back. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus, Dave. Ten, please. Ten is an interesting one that you'll probably know the answer to as well. So um, we bash I and IG pretty much um, every couple of weeks. Um, but what is the biggest holding in the revamped TTF? Oh, this changes quite a lot uh... for my liking. I mean, it was plug by a long way, and then plug went down by a lot. And now I don't know, so I'll say plug again. I think I know. It's not plug. Ah. Go on, Paul. No, I don't hang actually on. know. Hang on. No, I don't actually. <laughs> yeah. I linked it off Family Fortunes. What can I say? No, no I, I don't actually know. I, I was going to say, I was going to say Vestas, but I don't think it is. Anymore. It is Vestas, yeah. Oh, it is. It oh, is Vestas, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What a company, by oh, the way. You... What a company. Go on. What you got? Uh, number one. Number one. Um, so in 2020, Disney changed its CEO. Who did the new CEO replace? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna confuse AT and T's or that. Yes, <laughs> it's not Randall. It's not Randall. Um... Oh no, no. Um, it's the guy with the same name. It's basically got the same name. Um, that's sorry, what makes that... it difficult. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh... No, sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have to time you out, Pip. Yeah, People yeah. People aren't going to listen to yeah, you yeah, screaming yeah, yeah. in silence. So. <laughs> yeah. It's Bob Iger. Bob yeah. Iger. God. And I was hoping you'd say Bob Chapek. That's the old guy. Yeah, no, Sorry, that's the new guy. Sorry. Right? I was okay. going... It is. Yeah, Chapek's the, Chapek's the new guy. It's just, it, you have the same name. I know. Oh, God, that's annoying. Yeah. Going to state six. No, I'm kidding. Uh, five, please. <laughs> five what is uh, which is the largest stock exchange in the world this is an easy one as well is it too obvious yeah i'm wondering whether it's too obvious is it too obvious what What's... Uh, what, what yeah. you how do you define in largest good question actually by by market cap. Uh, by size uh, um, <laughs> so <laughs> By uh, mass, by by gravitational <laughs> mass. <laughs> yeah. Who has the heaviest floor? I do not know this actually. I, in terms of this, isn't a stat that I've seen ever. I would guess between. Oh, one of I can two see things, why this is. But no, I, I can see why it's confusing now. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Is Sorry. it the M NYSE New York Stock Exchange? It is. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. is. Um, and I wondered. I wondered with the recent. The recent run-ups on a lot of tech, whether that would have got you anywhere. Yeah. No, it didn't, didn't fancy the NASDAQ. I was so. wondering whether it might be somewhere random like Japan or something like that, but no. Yeah, I was going to sing at Shanghai. I was going. I was thinking, like, is it? Is this too obvious? So it's got to be M uh, New York Stock Exchange. But uh, obviously, I did think, oh, the NASDAQ could have run up. And you, so you did get me there. And then I was thinking, well, Shanghai big or not? I can't tell. <laughs> so there you go. Number two. <laughs> Number two. Um, <laughs> So, 
Jeff uh, recently, re- uh, Bezos re- has recently, recently relinquished his uh, role as CEO of Amazon, but who's oh, taken over? Oh, that's annoying. That's so annoying. That's so he annoying. won't know it. That's <laughs> what's beauty of about this no. question. That's so that's so annoying because I did I read I read his name right earlier that's out of my head and all I can think of is a big dildo shooting you... uh, Jeff Bezos into space. It's like I've just got this wall right now going. I just want to say the word dildo over and over again. And um... I have a question, Steve. <laughs> Twice, Steve. Didn't we talk name. about this? Yes. Didn't we talk about this on the pod live and the Amazon earning thing? We did. Yeah, yes. It's that. Uh, it starts with an A. I'm not gonna. I haven't got a clue. No. Go on. It's Andy yeah, Jassy. Andy Jassy. Andy Jassy. God, these things are like right on right on the end of my tongue and I've just not got it. So Go annoying. on, Steve. Uh, eight, please. Eight is... Uh, so Satya Nadella is widely regarded as the, probably the best CEO um, in America at the moment, or one of the best. But who did he replace at Microsoft? Did he replace Bill Gates? Fucking hell. <laughs> it was Steve, it was Steve Ballmer, and oh, I knew you'd yeah. get that one wrong because everybody forgets about Steve Ballmer. Yeah, he was infinitely like, forgettable. Yeah, the most forgettable CEO <laughs> in the world. He, he jumped from yeah. Bill Gates to Sasha Nadella, and that's and it's yeah, God, yeah. man, he's just that, yeah. That's why it's going to sound his grace. So, the most forgettable CEO ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Paul, we've got four, seven, and nine. Oh, don't uh, tell him ten. Really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, nine. You still get it wrong, nine. even though we've said the answer earlier. Yeah, right, this one is horrible, and, and I, I do apologise in advance for this one. I was just looking for really hard stuff to trip people up with. Yeah. Um, so you've got to name the biggest company on the EU markets, but we are excluding the UK here. Biggest company on the EU markets. Oh, God. Um, you can pull in the Paris, you can look at the Dutch, you can look at the um, German. So you've got to try and think of a kind German, of Euro ETF type thing and then try and work out what might be the top of that. Uh, I'm trying to think who's at the top of the stocks. Not going to be a supermarket. I doubt it's VW. Um, <sighs> it's going to be a finance company. I'm going to go just because we've talked. Oh, no. Oh, wait. No, it's not. I'm just going to go because we talked about it so much. ASML. I wanted it to be ASML so no, no. much. Like, it might, I not, really it might not be that but far away, right? It's fairly far away, yeah. The biggest company yeah. is LVMH. Ah, oh, oh, of course it is. Of course it is. Oh, I would have got so that wrong, by the way, but I do know that now that you've said it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, That's... Steve. Uh, four then, please. So, four... Um, a Fang company CEO shares his name with a famous English battle. Who is it? I, I'd love there to have been a battle of Zuckerberg. Um, did you say shares <laughs> his last name? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I got it, I got it, I know it. <laughs> I could sit here and go, ha, 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 I know this one. <laughs> I know it, I know it. <laughs> Uh, you haven't seen the question that's like. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. Pressure. A problem pressure. here in that case. Uh, is it Tim Cook? 
It's not thin cold. Uh, it's mind. retasting. Okay. I, got, I will play the wrong answer because I'm rubbish at producing. So I knew it had been a Netflix guy in that case then. I wasn't thinking there was a battle of Sunder Pachai, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I went. I was going, Pachai? Is there, is there like I an actually, Indian? We have a battle in India? <laughs> that was a problem. I on, I honestly thought you would nail this one, Steve. I thought mm. Hastings... Isn't Hastings near you? Uh, it's not that near me, no. Uh, it's in the south-east. I'm in the sort of middle-ish west. But um, it's... I, I, if I'd known the CEO of Netflix, I'd have been all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he yeah. has a forgettable name as well, doesn't he? So Paul needs this one it's, for yeah, the tiebreaker, right? Yes, well, yeah, this is, not I think this is one. actually quite an easy question. I read the one above it, but um, if we had some dramatic music, you could imagine, like, some really dramatic music right now, which I've forgotten to put on. See if you can um, nick it off who wants to be a millionaire. Dum, dum. Dum, dum. So, the largest, what is the largest company on the NASDAQ currently? Oh. No, because... Um... By market cap, Oh, God, yeah? that should be easy, right? Yep. So when I so, when when I looked yeah. at this, I was very very sort of like umming and ahhing about who was on the Nasdaq and who was on the yeah because that's that's what you've got to go because because first thing you go Apple no it's it's New York Stock Exchange so Microsoft is Stock Exchange as well Google Google one point two something trillion isn't it? Google. What would, you, what would you have gone with, Steve? I would have gone with Apple. Well, for Steve, you would have got a... Oh, bastard. Because that is the right answer. So it is 2-1 to Steve. Oh. I thought that was, quiz was was a little bit easier that was, than that. So. That that was so intense, though. That one felt so intense. And yeah, <laughs> I, had, I had Apple down on the new stock exchange just because it's, it's an old well, company. Well, so did I. Yeah, so yeah. did I. But I, I had that, that question is just underneath the largest stock exchange in the world. So I thought, well, you're obviously going to think Apple being the biggest is going to be on the NYSE. But no, it's yeah, not. It's the Nasdaq it. stock. No, your, your, your foolery worked. Your, your method worked. <laughs> um, Steve, would you yeah, like a round you, of applause? We... Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh no! Well, I am a terrible oh. producer. <laughs> well, we were. I, th I think we were going to have a question at the end, but I think we've run over far too long, and we'll so we'll move the questions to next week. Um, but thank you very much for everybody who has asked the questions, and we just haven't got around to answering any any of them yet. But we will answer at least one of them next week. So if you've got a question or you wanted to just comment, leave it a comment. Leave it in the comments below. The YouTube video version of you, you can listen to this on Apple Podcast, blah, 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 and Audible and all that sort of stuff. Listen to it on a podcast. Give us a five-star review just because uh, you love us and you love the fact that I'm getting beaten up on the games now every single week. Um, yeah, any questions that you want to answer? Well, what we'll have to do is to, to answer the questions. We're going to have to actually answer a question to show that we can do it. And then maybe people would actually ask some more questions and we'd have, have a never-ending stream of questions. But thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, we'll see you next week. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.